Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by Michael Hanfler and Michael Sidgwick. We're the Dadly Boys of What Culture, here to review last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before you get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Mm. Monetize now, so, you know. What Culture Wrestling Podcast, where we do daily wrestling podcasts, uh, where we not only review AW Dynamite, but also AW Collision, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a really good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet Sidgwick to review Dynamite from last night and Michael Sidgwick, the beginning of AEW's Rated R era. I mean, it's just a catchphrase. Stop saying it. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a stupid thing they said to basically... It was subtext for Edge's coming, so buy the pay-per-view to see the hot debut. <laughs> He's put it in the notes. It's, it's going to be with a big yeah, question It's the first one. Look, there you go. First thing. What? <laughs> this show... There were some things I liked. Mm-hmm. There were three things I loved. Can't wait to praise effusively. Ah, some stuff. Ah, this is so whack. <laughs> this is so whack. And there was one of my favorites, one of the best. Kind of disappointed me. But we'll get to that. Exactly the same. Like, I don't even know if the things we think are the same, but the feeling is the same. Stayed up to watch it again, didn't he? It's it's not a curse anymore. No, it never was. I just always uh, just like always was. It isn't anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. It's so weird. How it wasn't a curse in 2021. There was a curse for all of 2022. I'm, sh- I'm going to dig up all 2021 tweets. Wild. I can. I'm, honestly, I think it's been a bit of rose tinted glasses with the summer of 2021. I do yeah. remember you coming in the pod and saying, "Cherish this. It's going to yeah. go away." What an absolute miserable bitch you are! <laughs> like, <laughs> going to go away. It, cherish it while I'm still here, guys. It, it was me thinking that being learned was valuable. Like. Uh, it was never a curse. Every same it thing happens every book. It was a curse. <laughs> but no, we were on the same page for once. Yeah, same page. I, like, what cereal did you have last night? Uh, frosted Wheaties. Ooh. Like the ones that come with those, like, you know, that gimmick, I, that gimmick I, sugar yeah. on the lid. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. What's I this? do love a Frosted Wheaties. They're like, they're old school ones that have made a return. And I saw them on offering farm foods, right? They used to be in a big red Kellogg's box. And they're so like, basically they are snide shreddies. Shredded wheats with like mini shredded wheats, but they've got this like sugar crust. Gimmick sugar on the top, on the lid. And it's goaded. I don't know what white stuff is, but it is good. I'm fairly certain it's sugar. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's not real sugar. Oh. Oh, and a Mountain Dew code red on your yeah, Twitter. Like, that's what keeps you awake. Uh, because it's not some in the mid-card, let me tell you. Um, I like a blueberry wee. Yes. Which is like a shreddy, but with a, a filling of like some kind of blueberry paste. <laughs> it's, it's not a blueberry, is it? On the, on the box, it's like <laughs> eating with this fruit that isn't in the box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's blue stuff. Purple is a fruit. Yeah. Like the... The mid card of AW is a uh, strange old quiet town right now. What like cereal the, would you compare it to? Ah, oh, 
Uh, Rice Krispies. That's raw. No, because there's de- <laughs> there is definitely... Right, we're doing this. We're doing every yeah, yeah. cereal to start off with. Then we'll get, promise we'll get into the Dynamite review. You'd be lying if there wasn't a little bit of Snap, Crackle and Pop on mm. every Dynamite. But it is lacking that little bit of flavour. You have to add... Tony Carnival, people. You have to add some sugar. Ricicles. Rice Krispies. Ricicles. Yeah. It's not Ricicles right now, and it could be. It could be that little space, man. He's got Ricky, Ricky Rice. He could be Ricky Rice, but he's, uh, he's, he's Crackle. <laughs> so what you're saying raw is? Raw is uh, wheat and mix without the sugar. <laughs> it is. It's, it's not. What is it then? Raw is... Uh, <sighs> raw's Honey Nut Cheerios. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say it's Wheatos. I'm not. That'd be lying. It's not 2000 raw. It's not yeah. February 2020 Dynamite, summer 2021, unless I'm rose tainted because of the bunker. It's it's not Wheatos. I appreciate that. But it is Honey Nut Cheerios. It's definitely better than standard Cheerios. There's some... Sure, your stand, see the span standard. I think standard tweet back in 2021 was a one-hour Dynamite was crap. <laughs> but the other was great. I do remember that too. Yeah, yeah I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. So there was a second hour. There was a second hour drop. There was. It would go a bit like that. You were on a bit of a high in that first hour. That the, there had to be a come down. Oh, then Matt Hardy versus Orange Cassidy. Yeah, happened. it was like I'm t- tired now. <laughs> like the, tired now. <laughs> tired now. And it's Matt Hardy. Oh no. Is NXT Lucky Charms? Uh, yeah, that's right. Or like I'm I'm going through the Marshmallow Mateys at the moment, which are like they sound disgusting. It's a copy of a copy of a copy, and that's kind of what NXT is. Yeah. What's the? Uh, hang on, I've, I look. I saw this up. In, I saw this in America. That's it. That's NXT. Oops, all berries in <laughs> cereal. <laughs> nothing. Captain Crunch. Nothing right now in wrestling is crunching up cornflakes. No, they're the absolute best. Like, yeah, I've been this morning. Yeah. Nothing right best. now is hitting. Um, interesting uh, law here to get into. Not involving AW Dynamite, involving Ricicles. I forgot that they got discontinued. Yeah. Um, Ricicles mascot. Um, not always. Is <laughs> he in trouble? No. <laughs> they got cancelled. <laughs> not always been Captain Rick, apparently. Um According to Wikipedia, at least, um, Captain Rick replaced Henry's cat. Right, right. That was the rice from the from the TV show Henry's from the cat. The TV show, yeah. right? Who replaced Tony Junior? Right, right. Who Is replaced the, Tony the Tiger's son? Well, yeah. Who replaced? It's time to play the game. Time to play time the to play game. game. So I'm not on his shoulder. Yeah, <laughs> you'll get to see it on Tuesday on our I've live moved, raw review. I've moved a foot. <laughs> um, according to this Wikipedia article, which children's TV character was the uh, Ricicles mascot in the '60s? Oh, you have to be careful. '60s and '70s kids TV characters. Eddie Munster, Scooby Doo. Both good guesses. They're not because they're wrong. It's Noddy, little boy in the red and yellow car. Apparently, so. Or you know, could talk about. Wonder, the wonder what Big Ears? Eh? Wonder what Big Ears did? Eh? Think about that. Sarah um, <laughs> Dragon Big Ears. <laughs> they did not have banter in the past. Evidently, <laughs> do have f-ing banter in the present with us. <laughs> uh, what are we talking about? Oh yeah. <laughs> did you feel like you were lost in local radio for just a second? <laughs> yeah. He turns to your producer. He doesn't even speak on air. What? What? Sarah's Big Ears? He? <laughs> You're watching the that's clock. Ten, it's, like, it's 28 seconds till. News. That's an eight ten text of that. What cereal dragon big is he? <laughs> More after traffic and travel. Leave it. Uh, leave us a message with a hashtag Real Radio. Get yourself right out on air. What are you doing this weekend? Don't forget to start your message with the word big is because we share a phone number with six f***ing other radio stations. <laughs> anyway, 
Should we start? Should we dive into this show, yeah. Sid? Yeah, okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> we start with Renee Paquette. She's uh, backstage with Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. Uh, Paquette mentions, obviously, four years ago, you're on opposite sides of the ring. Jericho's like, oh, I can't believe it now. Look at us. Look at us now, eh? We partners. And in comes Adam Copeland. Uh, says, it's good to see Jericho. Can- Canadian stuff. Um, and Omega says, your uh, debut had me on the edge. Of my seat. I like that. <laughs> it's Kenny. I'm going to like it automatically. <laughs> yeah. and there's a, but just a cool little thing of, your name's Edge, so I'm just going to allude to it. There's a nice handshake, uh, and he says, you need anything? Just ask. I love the tease of Edge. Uh, by the way, Adam Colton's one of your favorite wrestler. <laughs> he's, he's unbelievable, like last night. He's unbelievable. I can't wait to get into why later. I like this. Me and Hamflick arrived at the same point independently, where I quite liked that this was a bit tense. It looked like two alphas looking each other up and down and saying, you're probably a good guy. You're probably a good guy. I'm better. I'm better. And they're trying to sort of do that with the body language. But Adam Copeland in AEW looks like he's eight foot tall. Yeah, they're yeah. so diesel. That's <laughs> it's massive, That's it? a problem, I think. It's the age old, it's isn't it? It's not just his size of like, it's the Rhino example yeah. from ECW to the WWF. Where, all right, he's a short horse and any. He's a cool cruiserweight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no. It's with Edge, it's a presence thing as well. Yeah. yeah. He knows how to be a TV star. I mean, he forgot for the last three years. <laughs> but he knows. He's rediscovered it. Yeah. It's, uh, I, well, it's probably best. Was, he, was, he, was Jericho always that smaller than Edge? Yeah. Like Jericho. Well, did I know that the match at WrestleMania 26? The WWE lifts thing as well, remember? He would yeah. always wear like extra lifts in his boots because he knew. And like, it was the Triple H and you know the whole deal. Uh, I like, love the build to that um, WrestleMania match where Edge said the word spear, and uh, well, that was it. That was the entire have. build. I've told you, man. WWE writers just establish a premise and just do it all the time, yeah. and then they discover plotting in a calendar year. <laughs> Hamlet ripped his cock off at the prospect. <laughs> Self, oh. it's mint time. Self-fulfilling prophecy <laughs> back then as well. Like the years and years of them doing a bad job of booking a match, and then. The wrestlers not really wrestling the way out of it being good, and Vince being like, "Bloody wrestlers, <laughs> killing my WrestleMania, get some stars out there." Yeah. Like the amount of times the technical wrestling match died, it was like, "Well, it's, it's everyone's fault, Vince." Edge, edge more than once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was a bit put off by Kenny Omega at first. He was like stood, sort of lurched, uh, like disinterested a little bit, and then Edge came in, and then I thought that was the yeah. interaction between them. Like you couldn't take your eyes off it. Like, loads of people were tweeting just the image of them shaking hands. It's a cool thing. It's yeah. what we talk about when we say, look at that. I want to look Everyone at that for a jump bit. all over the place all of the time. Yeah, it, that, they absolutely captured the value of that. Beforehand, I wasn't so keen. Later on, I think I like this. What I think we're being told here much more, but we'll get to that in the Kenny and Jericho match. One thing about Kenny and Jericho I want to mention, right, is that I really like the tag team. The match itself tonight took a long time to get going. Um... I like it. I like the idea of it. I like the idea of Kenny. Like, basically, Jericho, for me, feels to be grabbing him by the scruff of the neck and saying, be 2021 Kenny Omega again. Be more present. Yeah. Get a microphone in front of your face. Like, come on. Like, just trying to give him a bloody shake. Arm around the shoulder. Come on, you can do this. <laughs> Seen out of you before. I think they could probably have a bit more fun with it. Maybe that's to come. Mm. But when you were doing the whole, look at us, huh? Who would have thought it? Ken- the Kenny Omega, who's really dialed in and having fun with all this, could have done like that Paul Rudd thing. Yeah, mm. like open a can of something. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? A bit more flavor I would like out of this. Oh, the stuff he's throwing himself into on being the elite. Dafter stuff than this. 
but he likes it. Yeah. So you can see that it's in his eyes, isn't it? Like, there's a passion for it, no matter how daft it is. Yeah. That one when uh, those people were angry about, they thought it was a reference to punk, and it's that thing where he's been drinking. He drinks that funny way, he's been doing it for years. Yeah. Like, that's never on telly. <laughs> like, it was in 2021. Yeah, it was, yeah. Like the bit where he's in the limo and he's got the sunglasses <laughs> yanking yeah. them out of his eyes to make a point. And I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm saying, man, he could have gotten over that stupid Nakamura 10 count thing. Yeah. Do it again, Brandon. Like yeah. He could have done it. Uh, and then we start with the AW International title. Um, Nick Jackson challenging Grey Phoenix. Uh, obviously, legacy stuff here for AW Dynamite on the fourth anniversary. Uh, back and forth early on. And then Phoenix goes for a fireman's carry, but he's back... Back gives it out. Uh, Penta, Abrahantes are out there. They check on him. Uh, so Jackson comes back. Backstabber in the corner. Missed the running boot on the apron, though, and kicked the post instead. Uh, that allowed Phoenix to sweep the leg and spike him on the apron to take us to a break. When we come back, Phoenix hits a rolling hurricane runner into a pin. Um, Jackson tries his moonsault off the apron outside, but tweaks his ankle in the process. Phoenix goes for a rolling cutter, but Jackson hits a cutter of his own. They tease the double count out at that point. Get back inside. Jackson nails Phoenix with that slingshot face buster of his. Signals for the uh, BTE trigger, but Ray Phoenix stops him from doing that. There's some preposterous stuff for them to sort of get each other up to the top rope. Uh, and then Jackson hits an avalanche cutter for a near fall. He also hit a poison runner and a bounce back Canadian destroyer for a two count. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, running knee strikes, BTE trigger, Phoenix kicks out, blocks a super kick, uh, hit a double stomp, lost uh, in the ropes, uh, frog splash. Uh, Jackson counters the Fire Thunder driver into roll up, but Phoenix reverses that. One, two, three. Ray Phoenix retains. I thought this was class, genuinely. Yeah. And I feel guilty because in the preview yesterday, you weren't here. I was a little bit down on the prospect, thinking this style has been normalized, whereas against that backdrop, it felt completely brand new and exhilarating all over again. And I just thought smaller building, fewer people, the young bucks having not hit the heights they did in 2021. I just thought this is going to be like a diminished return. Really, really good. The chemistry is absolutely unbelievable, telepathic, but maybe a diminished return that really just kind of underscores how far we've come or fallen or just, you know, the, I thought the distance between the dates would be kind of a little bit more, a little bit less of a sort of a celebratory anniversary than the match was sold as. And they made me look a complete twat because this was like really textured and like really, really well told. Mm. It's a story. They didn't shortchange it on the like the those sort of ridiculous back and forth sequences. But this felt like they felt like moments of total resolve. Yeah. As as opposed to like a flex of what we can do athletically. Like it felt like they gritted through it and they just played so much better. Like I think this is a better match than the first one and I think it'll hold up more. It was less flashy and less of its time. Yeah. Like way less state of the art. But like I thought the selling like Phoenix is selling was very broad, but I just was totally sucked in. I yeah. thought he was excellent. Nick Jackson didn't have a legit injury, somehow sold it better than Phoenix. He's unbelievable. Um, just those bumps, those like pack tier bumps where it's like, oh, don't do that. You'll break your fucking neck doing that. <laughs> um, I just thought this was so textured. I thought the selling was so good. And it was just so much better than I thought. And it was just, I feel like it's Phoenix and Nick Jackson, even though. They're both kind of guilty of autopiloting the matches they're great at. I just probably should have given them way more credit, like way more credit for the match that they assembled here because I thought it was excellent. 
I agree um, with all of that. The, the selling Phoenix in particular, you have to highlight for Prey. I was like, just like, my heart was crying out for the guy. I totally bought it, and they've established that this belt might have been corrupted, and they've used that really effectively. Like, it's taken out John Moxley. Like, so that's, like, is there something going on here? Like, is this this injury-prone company or the belt or whatever? I thought they used that so well within this match. And to your point about this being better than the original, I had a lot of, like, it used to be a bit of a hipster take, but I just think more people have watched it now. Like, the Brett Perfect King of the Ring match happens after the WWF boom. So, like, the rematch, people remember the SummerSlam 91 when it still looks like so The King of the Ring's better. And the King of the Ring match is better. Um... But for years, it was just like not as many people had seen it mm-hmm. or it wasn't quite in the boom period. I thought these, in a good way, felt more than four years older. They'd become more polished versions of themselves. I was buying Nick Jackson winning a singles title. Yeah. How, how's I, that? How's that? They were like, talking about him doing the Triple Crown, weren't they, on you commentary? Would, you would never in a million years have gotten that in the 2019 era. Like, there it was all about, like... How flashy can we do this just to show, look what we've put on telly. Look what we have already achieved. This it was, was like it was like kind of rubbing their rubbing the faces of the critics who hate that style yeah. like in crap. This existed for a different purpose. Like they like I'm not saying they've done it in they've hid it this in plain sight particularly, but this showed you the growth of them as wrestlers, as all wrestlers grow over years and years and years. So like let's was, like the Nick Jackson had already done awesome selling and really like class worked botches in New Japan before yeah. AEW even existed. Mm-hmm. But this was, uh, I think it was a level above this match. It felt like they were just, I don't know, just felt so much less, I don't know. It's like smug or showy or... Phoenix going splat. Just knuckle down to business here. Yeah, Phoenix going splat in the corner and then Nick selling it like it was a botch and then taking advantage was unbelievable. It was like so... The little shin kick and then the, he does the backstabber. That look... Was that worked or not? Because I it, think it was... Elegantly worked. I thought it was because that's when Phoenix is a genius. Then because I thought, oh yo. But then even it took Nick Jackson to be like, right, pivot, make this look real. And I thought that was just a really, really elegant work. Even if it wasn't, it's genius whichever way it is. If it's a work, then it's next level. If it's uh, just something that's happened and gone awry, it sort of fits into the story they were telling, and it shows what a genius Nick Jackson is at wrestling because he's just. Taking advantage of this, it was like Christ-opportunity. Yeah, I, do you know why I, I think the yeah. opportunity from it? Do you know why I think it was a work? I'm kind of giving me one hand and taking away with the other. Why I think it was a work because if it was an accident, if it was a proper botch, and obviously they could use the back injury, they wouldn't have the, the pros. They wouldn't have gone straight back to that spot. But about three moves later, he would have whipped him into the corner to go again. They would have like tried to leave that distance potentially, instead. but instead. Like, I, I don't think they just chopped a chapter. I think this was a really good work. They're like, I Sean think Nick and Jackson's mankind. good enough to do that. Yeah. I think Nick Jackson's more than good enough to do that. I, I, like, I want it to be a work because I just thought it was so impressive yeah. and it added to the Phoenix. I, I want it to be the other stuff. Way. Yeah. Like, like, Moxley's got a target now as well. He can go for, he's angry because of what Phoenix did to him and mm-hmm. now he can go for his back. It's like this international title thing. Like, I'm starting to want Orange Cassidy to be rested and recovered and circle back around and beat all their asses. Like, that's. I think I want him to get the belt back. I think that's what this the belt is. Do that later, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, a real, a real enjoyable match, uh, a celebration of four years of AEW Dynamite. Something that's synonymous with the stuff that they do. A bit like what came next: production issues. Because um, Adam Cole, it had to be fair. It was a TBS thing, wasn't it? It wasn't the. I don't, I'm AEW not being fair thing. on them whatsoever. Because if it's not TBS this week, it's AEW next week, or it's the left hand not knowing what the right hand's doing the week after. AEW's production hiccups 
have gone on longer than the Attitude Era. <laughs> <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be a gag. Like, I know it was a TBS issue last night, but it simply wouldn't. This everyone cracked the joke, you know. December 1997, and then I think everyone really sort of puts the end at WrestleMania 17. Yeah. That's a shorter time frame. Losers, but losers believe that it was the Vince promo in 2002 when he said ruthless aggression. Yes, but that's not true. And that's nobody, not true. Buys that. But it's gone on longer. Yeah. It's, there, there should have been a root and branch investigation. Um, what's that horrible word from my admin days? It's not inspection. Oh, an audit. An audit. Oh. When they'd ask people if they were ready to do overtime or weekend because we we've got to do the audit. Audit? You mean everything I've ever done? Check stuff. Oh. <laughs> they should have done an audit of this, like, years ago. Tony, uh, how does it keep happening? Tony Khan's got a desk drawer where he's put, like, some post-it notes on top of a pile of papers called production issues. Yeah, and he yeah. doesn't want to revisit it because I'm, I'm not touching it. Like, oh, it's a quarter four on a Friday. I'll have a look at it now. No, slam the drawer. Yeah, yeah, Jaguar stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they, they edit here. Some people got to see it. Some people didn't. Um, are people they so- got to see it on Fight lost the... Christian Cage promo halfway through. Well, yeah. so nobody got to win. I got to see the worst segment on the show twice <laughs> instead of the best moment of the show once. Yeah. I didn't realise that. TBS kept like so the yeah, that's what I'm It's a TBS issue because it's fine on fight. But, well, yeah. last night was fine on fight. But fight is, you still hear, or rather don't hear, those like, I'm Brian Danielson, I'm going to have a match on collision. Why didn't they hear the first bit? Like, fight is still plagued by the audio issues. That must mean that it's a AEW thing. So it's one or the other, but as I said, it's been four years. So, yeah. I don't like the echoey backstage things. It's got, like, odd... It's giving pandemic. Like, you know when you think, why well, can I... It's giving amateur hour. I can hear so much, like, of the backstage air, and there's nobody there. I don't want to think about, like, this empty... It should hustle and bustle at least if you're going to hear, like, noise. How does it not hustle and bustle when there's about eight people queuing to interrupt? <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that? Uh, I think it was Pandemic Times where it was on, on a random episode of SmackDown. That's not where, past tense, that. But they just, where they just went, 16-time WWE champion John Cena in the middle of no- nothing related to him. <laughs> like, What's going on? Where's this coming from? <laughs> Thank you, take it. <laughs> 12 guys. <laughs> oh. Midi version of his theme. That's what he wants. <laughs> Guess what he wants. Yeah. yeah. Uh, wonder if he'll uh, show up to give us a bit of his thoughts on the show later. Maybe. Uh, need some more. Uh, well, needs a lot of work. I tuned what do you think in. he uh, bare bones of this match? Take. Bone, bones? <laughs> <laughs> Who said bones? I watched the first five minutes and the last five minutes. I remember Edge. That guy has my respect. <laughs> That's just more children who look at them at the time. Uh, oh, you might. You nice might. try, Tony, but I don't watch. <laughs> <laughs> you might like, actually, Mark, you might actually like what came next because there was some uh, s- sort of motorized things because Adam Cole had a scooter. Skinny ass indie kids can't even afford their own Titan bikes. <laughs> I just want to do a culture war. Let's go into the thing. Yes. Uh, so to circle back to this later, I'll just do it now. Uh, Adam Cole missed his surgery to go to Roderick Strong's house. Uh, and Roderick Strong unveils a scooter that he's got to allow Cole to scoot around with him. Uh, and they're messing around in Strong's house, and the kingdom have got pet stuffed animals. Uh, it, 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 the giraffe thing did not land at all. Did no. <laughs> I do want to get one of those giraffes for Eric for Christmas, though. So it did. So it did. Then, yeah. For me. Um, yeah, Cole's like, what's the emergency? And Strong's like, I need help moving furniture. 
and he's like, and the kingdom are like, you do kind of owe Roddy one. Uh, this is what Strong says. This is what best friends do. And then he's moving it around, but he's got to hurt the ankle, but he's doing it for his friend. Uh, Strong likes Why the, can the kingdom do it? Because he's trying to manipulate him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, baddies. Strong likes and a goodie. Strong, Strong's like, oh, I love this new layout. And calls out, anyway, I've got to go and get surgery. And Strong says, Adam, I need, I need your help with one more thing. Thoughts on this? I hated this. I absolutely hated this. And I'm going to spend probably too much time on it, right? Uh, give up better than you, baby, for the time being. Or mm. this is better than you, babe. This is the better than you, baby verse. Where this, and it's it's more so than ever was true with Cody, who, by the way, competed for titles on the show, right? This is its own actual universe with kind of its own logic. And it's got to the point now where Adam Cole speaks to the camera, which is right, and he does the three seconds to allow us to get away with it. And it is invisible camera segments and wacky post-produced skits that still are very jarring within the context of AEW, at least for me. Like, it's it's wrestling. I know I have to stop being such a dick about it at some point, right? But you can take the cameras anywhere you want and acknowledge the cameras because the idea of the invisible camera, as I've talked about at length, is stupid. Like, who's post-producing these skits? Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah, but like, you know what I mean? Law. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Why do they think the slow motion's so funny when, <laughs> when it isn't? The musical score, they're making short films out of... The camera's got no reason to be there. Like, absolutely none. Like, absolutely none in the sporting thing. And they just take, they're having their cake and they're eating it, and I don't enjoy it. And even if you take away my gripes for the format, the actual material here was not good. The skit here, and the story is, right, Roddy Strong is trying to manipulate Cole into siding with him and not MJF. And I'm kind of, I think they're losing the thread of that. Like, MJF's pretty much like a good guy at this point. Mm. Whatever. How can we... What's the excuse for this week's skit? Uh, feng Shui. What? Like, <laughs> like, what are we actually doing play here? Play a game on it next week, though. Yeah. I say I don't want to play games yeah. about this. You know what I mean? That's the thing. Um, There was one good guy here, right? Where it's... The idea, the implication is that Roderick Strong at all hours of the day just screams out and cries out for Adam, Adam, Adam. And he was actually surprised that he for once was there. Yeah. So the the implication, this is really funny, is that Roderick Strong just from his waking cup of coffee to when he goes to sleep, just like on his lonesome, just goes, Adam, Adam, like all day long. I <laughs> think that's a good joke. But the feng shui stuff was stupid. The kingdom stuff didn't land. And they've been really good, good in these segments yeah. over the last however many weeks. And the Grand Slam stuff was good. When we really, get to the kingdom really versus uh, better than you, baby. Well, next year. Yeah. This yeah. is, it's so lightweight. For me, and I don't want to like say, I think I speak for all of us when I say, I don't want to be that guy, right? But I think a lot of people were willing to show latitude towards the pre-taped stuff and the universe bending stuff because when it was... Well, Tony Schiavone introduces Better Than You, Baby, or Justin Roberts introduces Better Than You, Baby. It was so loud yeah. and deafening in the real correct context. Oh, like they were ring. following the money still, didn't they? Yes. Yeah. And, and this is just very much, we're still fighting for this cursed storyline <laughs> that is, like Adam Cole's foot has been pulverized. And hey, give it up. Give it up. Um, it felt like a turning point for the whole 
better than you, baby, verse stuff this week. Because without baby, it just it's not working. Like as soon as he got injured, it's like ah, you can pick it back up. We don't. I do not need this in my life without the actual tag team. Turning point is a phrase like I. Uh, I love Minor Cedric's different, similar and different tastes in wrestling. Like two cars that suddenly veer off in about two thousand and two when like North American wrestling goes to absolute. <laughs> and I pick TNA and Sidge picks other forms of wrestling. Yeah. And then that's where we veer. Like, sometimes I'll take skits over matches. I sometimes think that's that's what this is all about. It's less about the lockups and it's more about, where are you filming this week? Like, I want that more than I want matches. I, in AEW, I want loads more skits than matches right now, quite honestly. And that's why I think I've favoured the way that they've done this, where they've given you both... It's the hottest angle in the company. So they've given you both some daft bollocks if you're into it, and then they've brought the, the meat of it out to the ring for the live crowd to gauge if it's still working. And it is, you know, so it's like one is justifying the other almost and it's earning its place. And I know people think that you cannot do funny stuff in title programs. And I disagree with that too. I think there's a good and bad version. of anything. Sidge always says this was the best we saw at Wembley, the very best version of a yeah. thing that people will refuse to accept. Yeah. So I was, I was always going to be more lenient. And yet this whole episode, including the in-ring felt like a turning point for the story. Uh, you know, we'll get to the MJF stuff, but like this didn't, this didn't feel like it contributed to the bigger picture. I loved the idea, like the Sopranos bit last week on the boat, right? Yeah. Fundamentally daft. It's to catch as as we missed on the podcast to catch a great white. Yes. Right. Wish I'd picked that up, but you still got like the parody of Tony Soprano about to uh, like commit the crime when he puts the diamond ring on. Even then, MJF can be like. I'm going to kill, like, yeah. over the course of a week, I'm going to murder you. Like, you know, it's funny, but that's the root of this story, yeah. isn't it? Still, this lost it completely for me. Not only did the jokes not land, and it was kind of charmless. Like, what was this? Charmless is the word. What was this really about? Like, yeah. where where did this take you with Adam and Roddy? I don't know. Well, I think and the idea is he's trying to get him back as a friend. Yeah, but, like, they still did that shot on Adam Cole's face of, Sick of this asshole. Like, yeah. like the close-up thing yeah. that they've done a few times now. Like, I t this was the opposite of a development. Yeah. Well, Sid, we've had your thoughts. Hamford, we've had your thoughts. Uh, Mark, what did you think of this? Did you, did you say this has kind of jumped the shark somewhat? Well, where is it? <laughs> you come after my wife and I'll f*** that shark shit up. I don't jump it because I don't do any of that high spot <laughs> I was actually pretty goddamn awesome at the plan ship. <laughs> like I was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Until I wasn't, because the snook is kid. <laughs> Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Moving on. Griff Garrison's in the ring. Who's he facing? Who'd Cody ever beat? A returning Wardlow. Oh my god. Yep. They mess about here, comes down, shoulders to the midsection, boots in the corner, five power bombs, and referee Paul Turner just calls it. No conducting or anything like that. Wardlow just goes, right, have I won? Fair enough, and storms off through the crowd. How did they do this with Wardlow? Really? I'm instantly back on the Wardlow bus. Yeah. This is absolutely incredible. Two things I want to point out, because there wasn't much to this. This is just a great squash. This was a great uh, entry into the pantheon of, is, is he okay? Mm. <laughs> like, he stamped on his face so hard. And the way I put it in, ups and downs, again, transcript, but whatculture.com slash WWE. It was as if Wardlow had been sort of visited by a spectre in the gorilla position and told, when that bell rings, if you do not create a hole in that canvas... You're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> so Wardlow gets Griff Garrison. It's like, bang, bang, bang. He's like killing him. It's like all beautifully executed power bombs. Yeah. I don't want to say this is reckless because when I talk about squashes, I do so in my capacity as a sicko. And I think about the Steiners and the Beverly Brothers doing stuff with poor enhancement talents that they should not have been doing. This is not that. No. Everything looked great and perfect and safe. Nonetheless, it was like, I need to make a hole in that ring. I, I, I'm going to die. Bang, bang, bang. And then the walkout. The parallels between that Wardlow squash and that abandoned John Moxley quasi-turn of late 2021. I was like, ooh. You know the Leo, uh, the Leo DiCaprio thing? <laughs> right? Because I understand why that was abandoned. John Moxley, real-life hero, could not in any way, shape, or form return as a heel mm. after he battled alcoholism. Yeah. But just before he left, he was doing this. That match with 10. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love Don't that. remember this little bit? Yeah, I remember oh, that now. A yeah. mask full of tomato soup because he was so bludgeoned. Yes. <laughs> and then he just did it, and I was like, boom, I'm out with you. Foul, bad mood Moxley. I got a kid. I don't need this anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know where it was quite going, but, I, you know... I, it was going to be. He'd great, been screwed and he'd never got proper payback. Yeah. yeah. They, 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 they seem to be doing this with Wardlow, where it's like, oh, you're not going to book us then. Well, I'm just going to fuck off as soon as I get in. Bad mood Wardlow. This, there's something in this. Mm, I yeah. instantly got something out of this. More than I felt from the guy in well over a year. I felt really good this. It's funny that you say it wasn't reckless because it did make me think of Ahmed Johnson, the first power bomb, the way he kind of scraped him up and just hoid him. But Maybe like the Ahmed first, there was a, I did pay attention and it was like, he's always had such a lovely power bomb. Yeah. Like how does he get it so horizontal? Like, you know, when you see a bad power bomb and he's got something in his head. Oh, just because he said Where, Ahmed Johnson, I remembered the hungry bum stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you see a bad power bomb and like, the back goes first, and then the head. Yeah. Oh, oh. He's got such a beautiful horizontal line. 
um, Wardlow. <laughs> deeply impressive, especially in the context of this kind of uh, match. Subtle change to his look. I know, like, the same gear, but his hair was different. His body shape was like, he's angrier. It's a time away change, and I like that. I, as well, like, this is, could just be fantasy booking or complete nonsense, but I want to believe that AEW still does this thing where <laughs> months later, you think about Matt Johnson falling out the ring in that Battle Royal. <laughs> so you should book him in a, a Battle Royal with gold dust at the end. <laughs> Watch the 1996 Intercontinental title battle royal, anybody that hasn't. Ahmed Johnson has one job, which is to eliminate Goldust with a charge slash clothesline. And he charges so f***ing hard that he nearly eliminates himself and has to be has to be toasted as the winner while hanging upside down by his legs. He's like, there he is. There's your big prospect. What's even better? Hanging upside right? down. That's on, a, that's on a week three of a four-week raw taping, right? This is, this is so Ahmed Johnson. And it's like... There's going to be a pay-per-view on the Sunday. Shawn Michaels is going to retain the title, and it's to set up Ahmed versus Shawn, babyface mates with a bail on, like, a Friday Raw championship thing. Uh, Ahmed is working that battle royal with a shoot ruptured kidney because Fruit kicked him really hard in the first week. <laughs> yeah, of the yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll go out there. Fine. <laughs> Tape it up. He's the best. Um, I, like, AW used to do this stuff all the time. Remember we used to say, like, sequencing things next to each other, or yeah. people would be on a show... Randomly, seemingly, and then five weeks later, uh, I'm saying we, Sidgwick could point out, yeah. you know, they were on that show that same night, and duh, duh, duh. like, this is the first week where MJF's like, I think I need some mates. Like, I know what it is to have a friend now, and I don't have Adam Cole, and, uh, like, he needs protecting, inverted commas, from the acclaimed, but clearly he needs proper protection. The bulk of gold are kicking his ass, and he's not got a friend. Like, I do genuinely believe the best thing for everybody involved here is to put these two back together. Does MJF do all of his matches again, but with the roles reversed? His legacy story, we've seen it with Jericho and Omega. You've had enough time now, like Wardlow. I'd have heel Wardlow against MJF, me. Well, uh, maybe, I guess that's possibly a better move if you're keeping MJF Can you imagine the drama, face, given how their f- only one and only match played out? Yeah. You build on that. It's it's interesting to think of those two back together on I the same show. I think they should work a match. Uh... Renee Paquette's backstage with Takeshita and Don Callis. Uh, Callis says the AW Foundation has been shook to its core since Sammy Guevara pinned Chris Jericho at Wrestle Dream. But the quack doctors won't clear Sammy tonight. But on the recommendation of Will Ospreay, Cole Fletcher is uh, Sammy's replacement. Um, and he says, Oh, Jericho, no one remembers who wins the battles. They remember who wins the war. And I'm going to win the war. Callis has won every battle. Yeah. What was this line about? This was a fat waste of time as well. Again, production stuff. They dropped the graphic in the opener that Carl Fletcher was in it, and they were building this up as like, Don Callis has got a surprise because of the Sammy Guevara situation. They just told you. Like, I don't, uh, I don't know if the commentators mentioned it, but you know when they do yeah, that, yeah, yeah. later, that Carl Fletcher was like, what's he doing there? Like, well, maybe um, that's why they ex- wanted to explain it. I suppose, but it was built, like, the way Callis was you doing it. explanations. Yeah, but he was on. doing it like, I've got a big <laughs> surprise. Yeah, I guess. Like, I it's guess. not a surprise, you told It's me. weird. He's like, why... They won a Wrestle Dream. The Callas family won yeah. a Wrestle Dream. Takesh to beat Omega at All Out. He pilled him, pilled, pinned him all in. This was like, I was like, have they given away the result? Was this, did Callas mess this up by, this is like the promo we should have cut the week after Jericho and Omega finally won one. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, why did he say, oh, it doesn't matter about the battles, it's all about the war? It's like, brag about winning the battles, dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> you won every you match. It's about winning the battles and winning the war, and I'm doing both. It, that was so weird. That was so, I just, I, uh, maybe I've missed something. In no, my you're right, I've got the same, yeah. yeah. Another thing, oh my God, Sammy Guevara, do something else. I'm not saying quit wrestling, I'm saying get better at the other bits of it. He's, it's, it's rubbish. Go, uh, Osprey wasn't good either. I understand it's pretty cockamamie, 
Tony Khan booking, where it's like, oh, yeah, they've had a dispute, so we have to really sort of hang the lantern on that. Mm. And then Osprey did, and these things never come off well. He has to be really talented at speaking to do this and or like be funny about <laughs> it, and that's not what Will Osprey is fundamentally as a human being. So that was bad as well, but Guevara, everything he says is a cliche. Uh, not particularly well de- fil- de- delivered. <laughs> um, not particularly well delivered cliche. Yeah. I, preeminent elite fan, Kenny Omega analyst, Michael Sidgwick. Correct. Don Callis and Kenny Omega's feud is nowhere near as focused and as tight as you would have expected it to be. There it's are getting f- there for me. There are a few... Re- I, I've never felt... like It all feels quite loose. It's and a this bit is like another example of it. It's a bit like, subplotty, but I'm thinking that... Uh, personally, I'm under the belief that they are bringing it together. Do you think they have a match against each other? I think he ends up with like... It's that old Memphis type. I'm going to beat Takeshita and get 10 I minutes. I always hate that. Remember when Punk and Heyman did... I know it was Memphis. Yeah. The most recent example that the listeners might know is when... Punk got to do it with Heyman. Aye. And it's like you're just seeing someone who's a fat non-athlete getting like annihilated. Feels like that's where they're gonna end up with this though. He's got to he's got to if get If you have to Callis. do that, like if you're gonna do the catharsis of Callis, do a spot where Callis is on the apron, trying to get the ref, and he just gets V triggered off the apron through a table. Unexpectedly. I think you should carny before he goes out there. Blade is old scar, so it looks like Kenny's opened the scar up with a V trigger. I wouldn't touch that with a open the gap hole. With a V <laughs> It looks horrible. Um, See his brain again. I didn't think much of this segment at all. No. I thought there was some genuinely weird logic to what Callus was saying. I was the same with you. I thought, oh, cool, sorry, Jericho. I mean, yeah. I thought they were going to win anyway, but I thought, like, that definitely. It was their turn, I guess. Yeah. And Callus uh, and Guevara's just, oh my God. Do you think Jericho's having a panic being like, hang on a minute? When I jump on these things, they're normally hot. What's, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the last guy to get involved with you assholes. Um, then we had uh, Butcher Blade and Kip Sabian facing off with uh, the acclaimed and daddy ass. Skip. This was division it, stinks. Was it for the, the titles division. or no? Hmm? It wasn't for the titles, was it? It might as well have been. You would never in a billion years believe that the Butcher Blade and Kip Sabian are going to win. So I had trios matches in it. This division... Well, it's Trios not. matches are it, but this division is. I don't think they are. Oh, come on. You, I know you like the best of seven series, and I. Uh, hang on. I know you love the best series, seven series, and I liked it, but like. I, I, you can't I fundamentally say that Trio's matches aren't it. I can say I don't. It's a, it's a, I can say I don't like them. And yeah, I think but you can't say they're not it. They, the, they could do something that they're not doing right now. Yeah. You can, you can basically very easily. Do programs between factions because we've seen it one million times throughout the course of wrestling history, and then you can have those factions in trios matches, yeah, which are very easy to make exhilarating. W- uh, AEW is doing, I would say, a horrific job. Maybe that's it. A horrific job of it at present. I fundamentally, I don't think there's a problem here, but Tony Khan is like, this is crap. It's all very diluted, and it pretty much outside of the original elite. Um, Death Triangle series, it, it's always felt quite diluted. I'm seeing that, like the inferior versions of a crap build. That match, though, I mean, oh yeah, match was good. Seen the uh, seen the news today. I'm gonna, I'm gonna execute you. <laughs> <laughs> seen the news. Good news, bad news today. Re, uh, Julia Hart, she's going away for a while. Uh, but the good news is, it's because she's getting married. That's nice. Oh, oh, yeah, nice. she wasn't on the show at all. Yeah, no, she's going away with uh, Lee Johnson to get married. Okay, that's nice. Uh, what'd you make the acclaim? Congratulations to the yeah, congratulations. I, that's not a usual they can't book thing. 
Yeah. yeah. That would have happened anyway. <laughs> it would have happened anyway. Uh, yeah, so acclaimed Daddy Ass, Butcher Blade, Kip Sabian. They uh, attack the acclaimed Daddy Ass at the start, but acclaimed come back. Scissor in the ring. Um, Sabian hits a big springboard moonsault to the floor um, to take us to a break. When we come back, Caster finally makes it over to Bowens for the hot tag. Um, match breaks down. Uh, Scissor me timbers on the blade. Springboards uh, hits a springboarding Sabian with a super kick. And then they hit their finisher uh, on Sabian to get the one, two, three. Um, Kip Sabian did a particularly egregious flying nothing here. <laughs> like, what are you doing? That annoyed me. I'm going to say one nice thing about this. Anthony Bones has got every right to just go, oh, you know what? It's a dark match on TV. I'll just do my stuff and get out of there. He, like, blows people away with those really creative striking exchanges. I still think he's fighting for that, like, <laughs> I still think he's fighting for that singles push. I'm not saying he's desperate to get away from this hot act. Yeah. It looks like he's still having fun. That's the one nice thing you can say about the acclaimed, I guess, um, in October of 2023. He still wrestles, like, with that old-fashioned mentality of, if I don't do this every week, I will fall down the pecking order. Mm-hmm. He still wrestles like he's proven himself every single week. I love that creative strike and exchange he can do. He still mm-hmm. just puts so much behind it. Everything else was so autopilot. Beyond the program with House of Black, which itself wasn't particularly great, I had to watch it twice on pay-per-view. Yep. I mean, what a dickhead. I got to fly to Las Vegas on work's dying. <laughs> <laughs> Las Vegas and Wembley. Yeah. Bloody hell. Yeah, no. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, uh, outside of that program, I have lost track. And that really fun thing with uh, QTV, that really nice progressive thing with um, Harley Cameron and Bowen. Oh, yeah, Bones. that was nice, yeah. I feel like I have watched, like, Slam'em Jam'em, Coliseum video, the best of the acclaimed. <laughs> and as I would film some matches in like uh, Duluth, Georgia <laughs> that weren't on like Saturday night's main event. Uh, See the superstars banner hanging in the corner. Wait yeah. a minute. It's just, I'm, I'm watching the house show run. Yeah. I'm watching them do house show stuff. There's no narrative. There's no cliffhanger. There's no story. Yes, they're doing something with MGF. But before then, this is part of the course of the acclaimed. They come out the win, a really run-of-the-mill acclaim match. And it's so business cynical. Oh, they'll do a better quarter hour than most, and their merchandise sells. Let's get them out for a quarter hour segment wearing their merch. Mm. Not elite. And as well, not the, elite. The other, like, you were justifying it for business reasons once upon a time. They've lost the audience. This was where the audience flatlined for a bit and took a long time to come back up. It used to be the opposite with the acclaimed. It's like, well, you can't argue with that. Like, they're getting these amazing responses. Get them out there. The podium election segment I always go back to oh. an impossibly good bit of business and you're just like yeah fair enough every the rock week. paper scissors yeah like well. every week chuck them out there it's generating the opposite effect now because people have had their fill without a story you want to hope that the MJF thing is a pivot back in the right direction but this killed the crowd and mm. they didn't come back for a, a long time uh, we get the final installment of uh, Tony Storm portrait of a star uh, uh, she's telling RJ City he doesn't know what it's like to live in the spotlight something everyone tries to take away from you she uh, sits awake at night and wonder if she's still got it uh, and <laughs> RJ City quite right he's like you're not even old she's like, oh my god that's so much oh my god I'm not old I'm timeless what timeless lo- Tony Storm premieres later what I loved about this is that they are telling you through the surrogate that is RJ City that there is in fact a real world which all of us in RJ City inhabit 
away from the lost mind of Tony Storm. And I like the idea of Tony Storm. Did she actually realize, oh, no, I'm, I'm 27. Mm-hmm. Did she think, I can, you know, push the boundaries of time and space, such as my star power? Yeah. I, I, I don't think they really sort of made that specific, so I enjoyed that immensely. Yeah. Still on the Tony Storm hype train. Same. The name is fantastic. Like, we were all, like, grabbing for... A rare for bit it. of good alliteration. Yeah, like, grabbing for examples of, like, actresses or films where this has been lifted from, and now it's its own thing. With the with, like they've nailed that like that label and that presentation, like I think as well this is such a valuable character because this character doesn't need to fight for the title but forces its way into being booked. Yeah, like you have to use this gimmick. People love it, but she doesn't need to be challenging for the belt. Mm. So the, like she might be the cheat code to the second women's match. Yeah. Gen- genuinely, like because she's not a contender now. She's something else. Uh, we get a video on Brian Danielson. Could have been a contender. Films. Danielson's very happy with his uh, win over Zack Sabre Jr. Says uh, he doesn't have the heart and soul that he has. And uh, Zack Sabre Jr. says, oh, didn't count. Uh, You won with a running knee. Uh, That's a scoundrel move. Give it to me. Run it back. Fine, yeah. 500 times. Wrestle Kingdom is the next one, do you reckon? Um, I don't even know. Because Carter's going to get his win back. That's Mm -hmm. like... You know, there's a good and bad version of everything. There is a good and bad version of 50-50 Pukin. And this isn't 50-50 Pukin in the traditional term of literally one person would win and then lose the next match next week and for no reason. Mm. This is two guys having a fight twice. One of them wins, one of them is the other. They're both great. Mm. And Politics. Da- Danielson's yeah. fighting uh, Swerve next week for a number one contenders match for the TNT title. Who bloody wins that? Don't know. Yeah, I can't call that one. Swerve and Cage have got the bloody history. Mm. Gotta be Swerve. It's gotta be Swerve. Realistically, it's got to be Swift. Danielson like, has had that point where Danielson, you could just make him the champion tomorrow. Yeah. And it'll be great. You want to give Swerve, like, it's like old WWE stuff now. Give them the big wins. See yeah. where it goes. Mm-hmm. Be bold. Like, Daniel. Oh, I'm not saying that's what WWE does. I'm saying that's what WWE didn't do for years and years yeah. and years. You that's could, why it sucked for so many years and still sucks now. You could very much WWE see... sucked and then didn't suck no more. It still sucks. <laughs> you could very much see Danielson... And I'm looking at my watch, you know. Danielson, mate! <laughs> <laughs> like, Danielson Christian Cage is a dynamite main event. Yeah. So you could very much see... Yeah. Like, that's the rationale for him winning if we're looking at the booking. But I, like... Swerve is winning and fans back winners. And it's still... Like, as much as people think people are just made and that's great, it's still a tightrope. And wrestlers can fall off. We see it all the time. Yeah. Like the the churn is too great, and it only takes one person getting over for somebody to just be brushed aside. Mm. Swerve is right there, but two or three more big wins. Yeah. Speaking of which, Handman Page is uh, heading back to the drawing board after he's lost to Swerve Strickland. I need to rush back. Uh, Juice Robinson and the Guns. Strong promo. This so one. much better than so many of the wrestlers you earnestly like. <laughs> such Not for me right now. Dick. Uh, good, good promo. This. Mm. Uh, Juice Robinson, the guns make their way to the ring. What's your problem with that one, Paige? I'm just bored of him. I don't know what it is. I'm just completely indifferent towards him right now. You watch quite enthusiastically three hours of Monday Night Raw. I will never understand you. Juice Robinson, the guns uh, make their way to the ring after the show. Jay White getting laid out last week by the devil. Uh, And uh, speculation, of course, who's responsible for that. And uh, it's time for short time with the bing, bing, bing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they say, uh, so for a generational talent, you were like in here for 20 minutes and all the best you come up with is bloody tofu. Uh, and the reason you did this, you're the one behind this attack on Jay. You attack Switchblade because you're scared. Uh, and Juice Robinson calls MJ out. You've got some splaining to do. Give Juice Robinson 
20 minutes on the mic every week for me. You can take it away from the guns. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love low rent, I thought, when they were on the mic. I forgot as well how, like, one speaks like... Half of Billy Gunn's voice and the other speaks like the other. Like yeah, how old's Billy Gunn and smoking gun Billy Gunn? One's a bit more cowboy-y. Uh, here comes MJF. Um, says, uh, you're making quite a lot of accusations. Ass boys and their best friend, Talentless Taint. And he leads the audience in a uh, dueling ass boys, Talentless Taint chant. And they cover their ears. <laughs> Juice Robinson says, I got a rock hard taint. <laughs> An erect taint. I mean, that's stupid, <laughs> but also really funny. Uh, it was like, kind of like twerking a little bit as yeah. well, wasn't he? Uh, good and bad version of everything. MJF reads the Wikipedia page of her- horrific attacks that he's done on AEW uh, since, since it's the four-year anniversary. Uh, ch- chucking Jericho off a cage, whipping Cody Rhodes with a belt, injuring children with a dodgeball, and almost getting them taken off telly by calling Tony Khan a flipping mark, except he didn't say flipping, obviously. And if the sound wasn't dodgy on the first TBS airing of the Adam Colescott, they wouldn't have had an overrun. They were able to use the overrun later on for something. Conspiracy. Let's ask some questions. Rightly or wrongly. Rightly or wrongly. It's not a conspiracy. It's just nice how that worked out. That MJF line was put in there to remind you that that happened once and just like Mm. leave it there for when Christian says it. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is what goes on. Yeah. (laughs) That's what happens there. (laughs) Keep looking at Dynamite, please. Uh, Might get another one next week, if anything. NXT can't do F-bombs. Imagine Shawn Michaels going to Triple H. We need to say like, wait, who's the fucking man? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, coming out Booker of the Year. No, he should come out if they beat Dynamite in the ratings, right? <laughs> the week after Title Tuesday, the printout of the Brandon Thurston tweet. Yeah. <laughs> and go, who's the fucking man? And then just get out. Yeah. Yes, Tony Khan. Gives it it's our favourite Michaels bit, that like we're Brett guys through and through, but like Sean's kind of owning him in one of these weeks in 1997 and Brett's like... There's one where it's Brett's it's get very de- defensive and horribly homophobic and I don't like it from my hero. He's stumbling over the lines as uh, and he's like, you know what, I think Sean Michaels a boy toy. And he's, yes, Brett Hart. <laughs> <laughs> I like it if uh, he wants to get that over, but he's like, yeah, it's, yeah not, my time's gone. So I used to do this. You go out there and do this and you'll, you'll really get this over. Who is the... F- Man, Robert. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong intonation. God. What? Shawn Michaels is like backstage on a sunbed. I thought the heartbreak kid didn't lay down for anybody. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, he says he didn't attack the showstopper. It's on every week. (laughs) Eight seven on USA. (laughs) The main event. What is this? That Saudi Arabia show? NXT review and preview <laughs> wherever you get your podcast from. If this is completely demented to all of you, yeah, we're about to capture a new audience that we know, aren't we? Oh, yeah. People are looking for like review podcasts. I want to uh, hear what people thought about the John Cena show. Why is nobody talking about it? There's yeah. one podcast, there's one culture. <laughs> Mr. WrestleMania, I didn't realize you married Santina Marella. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Deep hole. Uh, he wants a Stockton Street fight because of where they are, obviously. Um, and they bail, but here comes Jay White out of nowhere to sneak attack MJF, hit him with a Blade Runner. Um, and Jay White steals the AEW world title, walks up the ramp, tells everyone to shut up so MJF can hear him. Says, uh, I don't know who you're used to dealing with, but I'm a cut above. Your games don't work here. You're not fooling anyone. 
No one believes a single word out of your mouth. We're not buying what you're selling. We all know the real MJF, a pathetic, dirty liar, a slimy, gutless coward. I want to give another shout-out to Deuce Robinson here, because when he says, a slimy, gutless coward, Deuce Robinson goes, with B-Little Lies, too! <laughs> we need an elite champion. Who could that be? <laughs> Great hype, man. Uh, it says, uh, prove me wrong, put the title on the line, November 18th, full gear, two words, guns up. Um, uh, yeah, and he's leading by example, taking the title with him, and MJF says, grabs a mic and says, I've got two words for you if you want MJF at full gear. You're on! Good news, bad news. The bad news, there's good news and bad news about both the Provo Exchange and the booking here. I know that it's wrestling. You need the guys on every week, especially when they're in the title program, etc., etc. I already thought last week's attack looked a bit more TNA than the Nexus. It looked mm. a bit more TNA than the Horseman breaking some poor bastard's arm. You know what I mean? It didn't, super into it, though. I like the idea of it more than the execution. Mm. I like the idea of a mystery existing over which we can pour over. Yeah. There's five camels. Yes. <laughs> I thought the execution looked way more TNA than the horseman, like, breaking some bastard's arm or whatever. But four people ostensibly chinned Jay White. He looks, not only fresh as a daisy, but he's ultra confident about his prospects at full gear. I don't think that played out very well at all. Mm. It felt like a scramble last week, knowing that Adam Cole's out. This wasn't a good follow-up to that by some distance. I thought that was really bad. Um, Don't really like... Belt thievery, but I think JY can do it quite well. He's it's sort of consistent with his gimmick of I sold out MSG. You didn't, you're just a bit deluded and all the rest of it. Um Catalyst. Catalyst. Oh, yeah. Catalyst. Um the other bit of good news is that even if you didn't like the material here and spoiler alert, I thought it was well beneath MJF. And not his best night. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan not of that. Not his best night by half. Um the good news is that there's always a week in the MGF program, or it was a couple of weeks in the big MGF pay-per-view cycle program, where there's some really good funny stuff, this wasn't that, that people think, oh, it's a bit lightweight, this. When are you going to get to the story? How about at the end, you dumb <laughs> That's when you're going to get it. <laughs> so they always start slow. They'll have promos written, mm. ideas on paper, for the last two or three weeks, before full gear, where it's going to be awesome. No doubt about that whatsoever. I thought some of MGF's stuff when he was trying to be the funny baby face was like the rock on an off night. You know, the rock would drop a Kung Pao bitch. Mm -hmm. And you're like, ugh. Yep. There was an element of that to um, Talentless Taint. And it's not just the alliteration I didn't like. Mm. Um, I just thought it was a good thing for Juice Robinson to play off. But in and of itself, it was a pretty weak insult. Here's how good MGF is, right? Here's how good MGF is. On one of his worst nights, which I think last night was, still better than The Rock. I'm going to explain why. <laughs> when The Rock returned as a scab, <laughs> to yeah. have that verbal showdown with Austin Theory, he was pretty labored when doing right. What we're going to do, everyone, guys, is that everyone on this side of the audience yeah. is going to say, you are, and everyone on this side is going to say, an asshole. And it's like, surely it would be your aunt. Because the rhythm was off. Because WWE are, you know, pathetic. <laughs> they can't do the swear. So you couldn't hear how it sounded. But in my head, because I bleeped the asshole, in my head, 
it would if the rock and I'm telling them how to do a promo, yes I am, would have said, You're an asshole. You're an asshole. You are an asshole. Who's <laughs> chanting this Von Wagner? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? MGF did the same thing. You are a person. <laughs> <laughs> you are several people. <laughs> MGF. Yeah. Just so quickly, without like just everyone's hanging on his word. That's the thing. I give this an up because I don't like it that much. I don't think it was funny, but it just he uh, he has them. He yeah. has them. Yeah. He's like, I think they're gonna do. I think one side is gonna do talentless taint, and the other one is gonna do ass boys. Instantly, bang, 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 bang. A conductor, mm. a conductor of pretty iffy material by his standards. This doesn't feel big, but. Every indication tells me that this will and people can strap in. Yeah, MJF JY is definitely the match. It's it's a great pairing for a pay-per-view main event for the title. I think if you look at where some discussion is pointed um on MJF, I think there'll be a believable title change on the night. I personally don't think Jay White's the guy to take the title off him, but I just think by the time we get there, they'll have you there and there'll be a lot of discourse around like it's gonna be coming up on a year. Like, what's MJF done with his year? Is it time for a change? Jay White's always been a very good spoiler. Nobody backed him to beat Okada for the IWGP the first time. And they will tell you about this. Yeah, he is the guy that just says, I don't care what the narrative is. I'm Jay White, and I'm going to win the belt. And he has examples of me doing precisely yeah, that. beat Kenny to win his first singles title after, like, a month, like, back on the main roster. In, uh, the main roster, sorry, back in New Japan. like the One of the best V-triggers you'll ever see in that match. I yeah. wouldn't necessarily check out the whole thing. It's not the best Omega match, but my, there's a V-trigger in it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's it's kind of what Jay White does. So the match will be good. And these segments... The match will be incredible, in fact. Yeah, these segments do well, um, numbers-wise. The worst thing I can say about it was that it was missable. Like, MJF for a change was missable. And it, it was just the worst week to be missable out there when, like I say, I think the skit was quite poor. Like, all of a sudden, the best thing the company's been doing felt like it was skidding off the rails a little bit. I'm with Sidgwick. I think this will be white hot by the time we get to full gear time. I, I, the program isn't in any trouble. A bad week all around. A bad week. Renee Pug gets backstage with Hook and Orange Cassidy. We're very close to winning that match at Wrestle Dream. Uh, but Orange Cassidy says, hey, look, Hook's still a great champion. He's still got a belt. Uh, and Hook's like, hey, you were a great champion, and, and you should be getting the title shot against Ray Phoenix next week instead of John Moxley. And Cassidy's like, yeah, but I mean, Moxley was champion for three weeks. So I was only champion for... 11 months, and they all eat chips. And he's like, whatever. Better on paper, this Hook-Cassidy pairing. Yeah. Like, you'd expect them to have this chemistry of them. You'd expect the laughs in the silences, where the, neither of them can really be asked to talk. It falls so flat because, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, when they're both being like deadpan and very short sentences and just very mumbling, you should be laughing at the silences. Do we know what we're doing with Orange Cassidy? I think that's the problem. No, we here. do, we do, we do. What, he's, what he's, going, he's going back in the national title picture. He's, he's been alluding to the fact that I'm good, that I'm no longer a champion every single week. There's a big plan mm. to get him back in that mix. There is. I, I love watching Renee whenever anybody brings up Moxley. Yes, it's good. She's kind of captivated. How there is certainly a long-term or medium-term plan with Orange Cassidy. Hook, not so sure about. Lay's classic flavor crisps, though. Good. America, America's not a great crisp country. For all it gets no. right food-wise, it's not a great crisp country. There's normally It's a great everything else country. Yeah, because I, I flew over last night to watch it on TBS Live. There was an um, uh, advert for Pringles, and it's got like original 
sour cream. Oh, shit on fight. Sour cream and uh, cheddar. It's like the, the fourth, basically, cheese and onion, pal. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, and don't give me paprika, because that's your other flavor with everything. I like, mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Paprika's not a great crisp flavor, but a goated spice. Yeah. But, like, you know, you go into any UK supermarket, and you look at the crisp range, multicolored rainbow flavors. Yes. Not happening over there. No. But they get everything else right, so it's fine. Multiple sections of the uh, grocery store where you can get the same things. It's like, should I get my amount of G from this fridge or that shelf? Yeah, it's so weird. Like, yeah. oh, I've got, it's like they're giving you like a second and third opportunity. Yeah. Like, you missed that when you came in because uh, you definitely want some. Yeah, three different, three different flavors of crisps, 60 different flavors of Oreos whilst you're here. So it, these things do level up. I suppose there's probably a crisp flavor Oreo now, I've said that. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to search that. <laughs> Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho versus Takeshita and Carl Fisher. Um, fast tags from Jericho and Omega to start off uh, and isolate Takeshita. Gets hit with a double suplex, but he comes back with a Takeshita line to take us to break. When we come back, Jericho lion salts Fletcher. Hot tag to Omega. Polish hammers. Left, left right, center. Uh, but Fletcher escapes. The, you can't escape. Um, Takeshita can't, though. Omega hit the rolling fireman's carry into a corner backstabber on Fletcher. But uh, as he's be dealing with Takeshita, Fletcher comes in and blindsides Omega with a Snapdragon. Omega fights out of a tombstone. Um, Snapdragon someone. Jericho comes back in. Ten corner punches. Horner cor- hor- corner <laughs> Hurricane Rana on Carl Fletcher. Uh, Takeshita comes in with a clothesline. Omega pump knee. Uh, Fletcher's m- kick- thrust kicking everyone. P-trigger, call by his name. Fletcher and Jericho. I'm the horn occurring. It sounds like something off NXT, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Suplex, but I've got the horn. <laughs> <laughs> um, where are we? Oh, Jericho uh, has got the walls of Jericho on Fletcher. Takeshita comes in to break it up. Omega comes in, slugfest with uh, Cole Fletcher. Um, knee lift, powerbomb, charging knee, gets a two count. Um, Takeshita stops him from hitting a V-trigger, but uh, he get, takes a knee in the back and a snapdragon. Um Omega shoves Fletcher into a Judas effect. He falls back. One winged angel. One, two, three. Don Callis screams how Fletcher screwed him and his family. Was that a code breaker? Or maybe a code breaker, actually. Yeah, I think it was a code breaker. I think it was a code breaker. Either way, right. For a long old time, too long, this match was very much the moves I would expect these guys to do in the order I would expect them to do it. Which I just thought maybe like the Guevara thing was last minute or whatever. But I was, I was expecting more out of this than I got. Yeah. When it all broke down, it was just as fabulous. And the execution of a very familiar layout was still great. Um, I did really enjoy the spot. And it's very hard to pick them out in this one. It's, oh, I love that bit. I love that bit. Didn't really get that. I did like the spot where Takeshita tries to, to build on that really awesome spot between Paige and Omega at... All Out 2022, which everyone's forgotten about for various reasons, where they each want each other so much yeah. that when they do, there's two of them in the ring, I think it's Matt Jackson and John Silver or whoever, do a double down. They each go in the ring, drag them over, tag, boom. Yeah. So they kind of did that here where Takeshita gets them for the tag and Omega just goes, no, no, I'll have Kyle Fletcher. Not yet, not yet sort of thing. I love that double team finish. It's so clever because the wonderful genius... The editorial title. Right? <laughs> 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 the, the wonderful genius of the one-winged angel. I'd say that's more of a disturbing truth. Yes. Mm-hmm. The wonderful genius of the one-winged angel is that it isn't just a finisher. Kenny Omega thinks far more deeply about this sort of thing when constructing his matches. It's not only a finisher, 
it's this absolutely exquisite platform for a wrestler to get something of theirs over encountering it. Reverse Rana, that victory roll that some of them do, like the way that um, like Akada front flipped out of it some friggin' how. Because the psychology of that move is that it's a kill shot with a with one exception, one rule proving exception. It's got a hundred percent success rate, but it takes a while to execute and to set up. And he, he sometimes grabs at the arms and all the rest of it. This is such an awesome double team finish that makes you think, oh, they're going to win every match. Mm. Because the code breaker or the Judas effect, we've all had our Berenstein Bears moment here. <laughs> yeah. You neutralize the struggle. They're knackered. They've just taken a signature slash finisher. Bang on your shoulders, down you go. Like, there's going to be a point where there'll be a save from that double team finish that'll, like, poke your eye out. That was pretty bored. That was pretty bored for not, some of Not this. a lot to, like, I like Sidgwick's analysis of the, that I was more entertained by Sidgwick's analysis to finish than I was by watching it. Like, a, a big disappointment, actually, on those terms, if you consider the people in it. Like, Jericho and Omega, these tag matches. Did you watch the Gates of Agony one? Nah, that was didn't better. Get, didn't get a chance to catch It wasn't, that, like, yeah. as good as I thought it could be, but it was still better than this. Mm. Like, it was still really good, in fact. It's kind of more about the post-match, so maybe that's what was why playing on their mind. Why 16 minutes then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two commercial parades. Again, like, pretty dead crowd. Like, it wasn't really pulling them back in until the very, very end. Mm. That's early this year, raw-flavoured, where we're like, well, it looks pretty good now. You're still just not turned up for the wrestling. Smaller crowd, obviously, but even there, even so, like, I would have expected noise Usually for these smaller two. Crowders are smaller crowds are louder yeah. than Raw's big crowds. Yeah. Uh, so, as Callis is trash-talking uh, Omega and Jericho, suddenly they're blindsided by powerhouse Hobbs. It's Jericho with a spine buster. Omega gets sent out to the floor and beaten down. He gets sent into the crowd. Uh, Hobbs, it looks like he's trying to, like, lift the railings, and he just yanks a bit of the railing out and then traps Omega's head in there. Awesome. Heads back to the ring. Callus uh, and Takeshita faff about <laughs> taping Kenny Omega to the ropes. Jericho tries to save him, but gets a chair shot for, to the ribs from uh, Powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, Mega's hands free from the tape, so I think uh, uh, Hobbs and Takeshi just hold him up there. He's tied up, um, and Callis gives him an unprotected chair shot to the head. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, well sold by the commentators, as if even when everybody hates each other, to the point where, like, for example, Callis has stabbed Kenny Mega's skull open with a screwdriver, and Callis, what happened with the BCC? They all have this agreement that, like, you can't do that. You can't do that, though. Like, you can't yeah. because it's cool, but doing it. You but know, you like, maf- can't do like it. mafia things, the things you can and can't do in the mafia. Yeah. It sort of feels like that with the chair shot, the way they were commentating on it, and I thought that's making good use of it. And then uh, Scalibur was, was, was really good, I will say, yelling on commentary about Matt Jackson and Hangman. Uh, Nick Jackson going to the hospital and ha- Matt and uh, Hangman having to go with him, hence why Omega's just completely alone in there. Where's, uh, where's Adam Copeland? That's the. That's the big one. For I think me. that's the thing you were asked yeah. to think like, about. He explicitly said, oh, yeah, beat up Don Callis. Don't like him. Maybe he does. Maybe, like, long-term, there's a thing where, like, Callis has got a pre-existing relationship with Adam Copeland that we don't need to know about now, but he's in the press scrum and Something they the can screen. pretend existed yeah. for a year's time. Found one picture of them together when he was in the Truth Commission. He helped Edge get into WWE with Bret Hart because they were Canadian friends in 1997. There you go. There's your lot. It's time to play the game! Time to play the game! 
bit of trivia for you. I've already given away the answer by the context of the conversation. Who came up with the name Edge? Don Carlin. Yeah. That's amazing. He came, That's, up, he, came up with, he came up with the name Edge. Well, then we've just solved this puzzle. They were, ex- they were basically saying, we've got uh, this really tall, handsome guy who can go. He's pretty much going to try him out. What do we do with him? It's time to play the game! Shut up. Did it, did it, did it, before Don Callis overheard on a rock radio station that was called Edge. Oh, call him Edge. What was his mooted name? It wasn't The Edge, was it? No. I was wondering if they were going to run it like you two. Bono, yeah, Bono. Give you a clue. Adam Edge. I'll give you a clue. It is very Vince Russo. Uh, <laughs> sex <laughs> face. <laughs> no. Hey, you th- hey, you think you know him? <laughs> this singles wrestler? Well, Swerve, he's a tag team because he's got two names. Riot and Rage. <laughs> oh, yeah. This has a green hair. He's going to have green Deal, hair. Yeah. He's going to read poetry. He's going to be called Riot and Rage. <laughs> Then Don Callis saved his career. Yeah. Which will one million percent get brought up. Love the unprotected chair shot. Sorry. <laughs> but if you think that's horrible and all the rest of it, the C and CTE know what that actually stands for. Um this went on a long time. I think maybe if you'd have just destroyed him. Like absolutely destroyed him and just that was it. Some of the, whole, like the tape stuff for me. I never get why they even bother with wrestling. It always goes wrong. I was impressed with Hobbs here because he's been on... He's been a television wrestler for, what, three years. Don Callis has been a fixture. On and off, but like 40 years of experience or whatever it is. He was basically telling him, you have to do that better. Do that better. Do that in character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In character. He was like, do that better. Do that better. He's going to get away. Do it better. What instincts that is. Yeah. Especially when, like, the, the level of experience gulf between the two. It took some balls and instincts. And that's the sort of thing where you probably get praised afterwards mm. for doing the correct thing. So that was a bit awkward. But I was really impressed by how, like, monstrous Hobbs looked. Like, always love a uh, uh, throw into some empty seats. More than almost any other weapon. <laughs> There's so many jagged edges that could stick into you. Mm. I always like that. Did, it went on far too long, but Hobbs versus Omega. Oh, my God. Preemptive. Oh, my God. Um, and I just thought Hobbs was really impressive in terms of his character portrayal and his instincts here. It did go on too long. I wasn't super enthusiastic. I was wondering about the tape, if like they were going for the crucifix thing because Callis has got all the Last Supper iconography mm. and they wanted Omega. Like, you know, yes. the Raven Dreamer thing. Yeah, like yeah that's what they were going Cuffs for. Cuffs would have been better. You know, than and Kenny Omega is God. Yeah, well, exactly, yeah. Mm. And he's the God of pro wrestling. I am less enthused by Powerhouse Hobbs joining the Don Callis family. Like, it's just, it's lazy. They're just hoying him in another state. Like, when do you let him get a go on his own? This is, it might work this time. I'm with you. I liked his portrayal of the character and his instincts, and I liked the physicality of the beatdown. I watched this, and I didn't necessarily say, oh, he's been in QTV, he's been in Team Taz, and all the rest of it. I was thinking, how often has promising new wrestler joined Stable ever worked out in AEW? Mm. Is there not a different way they can start pushing people? It's such a... I just... When has it ever really worked? Guevara, no. 
realistically... Garcia, not right now. Garcia, not right now. Really either. Really, uh, is it, it just it doesn't work. My, the, the only way I got around this in my head was thinking, Powerhouse obviously like, I've tried telling him I don't want to be hanging out with him anymore. The only way I can get rid of QT Marshall is if he knows he tries to bother me, I'm going to set Takeshita on him. That's <laughs> what I was going to bring up. Can you remember when QTV, Q, QT Marshall interfered at the end of the... Was it Last Man Standing between yeah. um, Wardlow and Hobbs? And Hobbs won the title for the first time. Do you remember the discourse surrounding that? Everyone said, that was rubbish. Mm-hmm. That was genuinely terrible. And QT Marshall got extremely mad online and said to a lot of people, Raj Giri, but like, you know, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you ha- have no idea mm-hmm. that about whether this is going to get over, and you don't know that this is going to get over, and it will, because you have no understanding of the inner workings of the wrestling business. Absolutely everybody with taste on my timeline, including myself, said that will never get over. It's rubbish. I know it's rubbish. I'm allowed to say it's rubbish. I can tell it's rubbish. It's not going to work. And the Hobbs QT thing, they've basically mercy killed him because it was going to be crap. And I knew it was going to be crap. Did they, did, did they even do a split? A proper one? He tr- Well, didn't he say, oh, for f- f- you, because he lost the title? And then uh, the last thing I remember, was remember he, I think we might be on a collision even, he was like, come on back, Powerhouse Hobbs. Here's a gold chain. He went, I'll have the gold chain, but you can piss off. And that, uh, that's the Why last thing I remember. Why couldn't you have just spine him to just really wrap a ball around it? It's just funny how I've never worked in the wrestling business a day in my life and I knew it was going to be crap, and I knew it was going to fail, and guess what? It's failed, and they've moved on. Don Callis said that exact thing to me on Twitter, but that makes me the Raj Geary in this story, so I don't like yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, when I criticised the six-man at All-In, he said, well, you've never booked, so you don't know anything about booking. Thanks, Don. <laughs> a load of complete losers to my replies now. Appreciate that, Don. Yeah. Your hand's pretty f***ing visible, Don. It's tweeting me. At um, least that six-man was quite good. Uh, yeah. QT Marshall, uh, QTV was an absolutely <laughs> horrific development. Mm. I remember, I remember that was like that one that does the rounds, isn't it? Uh, guys, guys, look, they're having a mid-off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, MJF's in the trainer's office and uh, being iced and checked over and what have you. How I've been asked how he's feeling. The acclaimed and daddy ass walking behind and Caster takes over the massage of MJF who snaps and says, leave me alone. Stop tweeting me. Stop stalking me. Caster's like, do you want a scissor? MJF's like, get lost. I'm going to get a restraining order against you. He calls Adam. Um... But it goes to voicemail and MJF looks sad. This Max Caster stuff is LTST. It didn't feel quite right. I'll just say that. But I'm kind of glad that they've been put together because I think the story might have needed new people and let's see what happens with the acclaimed MJF. It gives me that, hmm, just on. Like, is mm. this on yeah. sort of feeling? Uh, Samoa Joe in a vignette is living his best life, is the way I can summarise it here. Uh, um, he knows what it takes to be champion. He's very satisfied. He's been a champion every place he's been. Um, he's like, oh, MJF cheated, but you earn my respect. Um, I'm focused and hungry. Everyone needs to realise that when I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. He's gone off the ROH TV title, have you? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't even in shop. Uh, a bit weird. Uh, people loved it because Joe's a cool guy. Yes. And this was cool, cool Joe stuff. But I don't want Joe MJF again, and that was all this was teasing. So I An know. awesome match. I think that was it, though. I'll never believe again that he's going to do it yeah. the second time. 
look, it got a monster rating, so they're probably going to do it again. That mm. was my take yeah. on this. It got like a 0.36, which is for AEW standards, like incredible. Mm. Timeless uh, Tony Storm versus Sky Blue was next because it's almost time for the main event. So get the women out there. Um, she's got makeup smeared all over the place. Uh, she wants to shake hands with Sky Blue and then Lariat. Um, poses for the crowd. Blue shoves her down. Storm's insulted by this. Um, Blue gets cut off when she goes up top. Storm hits a hip attack and then literally looks down the camera lens and says, we'll be right back after these very, very important sponsors. It's so great, so what, that wow. Not only was it funny enough in itself, just better at it than Kevin Kelly. <laughs> 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 he messes, he botches it on collision every week. Yeah. Um, when we come back, Blue gets out of Storm Zero, gets a roll-up, uh, two count, hits forearms on Tony Storm. Um, rising knee into Guri, goes up top, high crossbody, gets another near fall, um, but Storm gets out of Skyfall, sit out, choke slam, bomb, um, furious at the two count. She gets a thrust kick from Sky Blue as a result, uh, but she comes back with a snap German, poses in the corner and says, I'm ready for my close-up. And then hit sweet cheek music and storm zero for the one, two, three. Oh, thanks. Oh, my God. Oh, my what God. Choice. What a choice to that, set up that finisher. That was a great choice to set up the finisher. Awesome. This was just a really nice vehicle to get the character over. Just just basically, like, totally dialed in. I love watching a performer when they're dialed in mm. and they're on a hot streak and they've got all that momentum because not many people in AEW do right now. Just the little bits when she's going to the camera. I'm going to slap her tits off and do it. And she's like, oh, my bloody hand hurt there. <laughs> and then the commercial break stuff. So not only was it just a nice little vehicle to get the character over, the last two minutes were really quite punchy and dramatic as a yeah. back and forth. She's just great. She's just great. Did you also see in this match they appeared to be building the House of Blue? Um, Sky Blue was looking pretty angry. And they replayed the thing where she got the black mist um, on Collision the other week. And, like, her eye makeup was uh, leaking blue. Oh, God. Well, yeah. I tell you what, if it gets if it gets Julia Hart consistently on TV, I'll deal with law. There you go. Seems like that's where they're going with it. Stokely Hathaway's backstage with Renee Paquette, um, and he informs Eddie Kingston uh, that there's going to be a four-way on Rampage to determine who gets the next shot at the ROH World Title. Uh, they need a champion who smells like Tom Ford, not Burger King and Newports. I don't yep. like. I don't like this. This feels exactly like we all wanted about Eddie Kingston winning the yeah. big belt. Yeah, this is definitely what we all wanted. It feels like Grand Slam. If you know what the Eddie Kingston thing is. It feels like, oh, this beloved TV program is getting cancelled. You're getting one more series out of it, and then that's kaput. And the season finale, series finale, happens at Grand Slam, and he finally beats Claudio, and now he's got his spin-off. Mm. It's like, none of those things are true. He's like a really amazing wrestler and character who should just be firmly in the AEW-verse. Like, like, not to dig him out specifically, but I suppose to dig him out specifically... John Morrison was fighting to get a, chan a chance to fight Eddie Kingston. What are we doing here? <laughs> like the... Oh, he's finished. Yeah. Like, why sign him? I don't know. To, to wrestle Eddie Kingston, apparently. So, apparently he's a nice bloke. Yeah, seems so. Seems so. Uh, the main event sees Adam Copeland. Exactly the Eddie Kingston dream factory. Ah, nah, like, yeah. nah, nah. Adam Copeland is going to address AEW, kick off the radar era. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tony Giovanni welcomes him out there. Huge you bleb from Stockton. Um, and Copeland. Copeland's just as excited to be in the ring with Tony Giovanni as the other way around. He's like, you're the soundtrack to my childhood, but also hit the goddamn bricks. Um, it's really serious about that. Get out. Yeah, no, <laughs> it was really weird. Lovely. You're a child memory of my child. Get out of my... What is it? Was it Sean who did that? Get him out oh, to Brett. To Brett, yeah. Get him the f*** 
out of the ring. <laughs> <laughs> and then he got pissed off because Earl Hebner's trying to strap him up. And they've been out there 60 frigging minutes and it's like his hands are too sweaty. And he's like, he stood there like trying to say, oh, boyhood dream, boyhood dream. But then the real Sean comes out. I was like, get the f*** off me, Earl. Like, you're killing me moment. Vince is going, oh, God, I love him. On commentary, the whole thing is dying on its ass. <laughs> and it got 237,000 buys on pay-per-view. Building's half empty. He's already slapping those early thought about you put with this stupid old peanut headed old man. <laughs> uh, Copeland says, that's nice hearing chats of Adam. Turning friggin' Hogan heel. <laughs> Over there. Over there. Kevin Scott are off. Nobody likes me. Except Paul. He's only good for carrying me fing bags. <laughs> you seen him work. I need a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fair play actually drives us fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> not going anywhere, here, kid. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Warriors, baby, you're the poppycock. <laughs> I'll just have to just enter a string of absolutely unbelievable <laughs> ring performances then <laughs> that nobody watched. Yeah. <laughs> he was good. He's good, man. <laughs> absolutely good. <laughs> as good a wrestler as he is a booker. Honestly. <laughs> uh. Anyway, where are we? Oh, yeah, Adam Copeland says, Look, years ago I was told I'd never wrestle again, but it's 2023, and here I am standing in an AEW ring. Gets a nice reaction, that. And he says, uh, AEW world title looked pretty good around my waist, uh, and lists all the first-time matches he could have. Moxley, Omega, Miro, Powerhouse Hobbs, Jay White, Rock Hard, Juice Robinson. Uh, tells a story um, about... All the people currently getting pushed because he's a pro. Yeah. He uh, tells a story about sitting down with his family, considering retirement, and his daughter, Lyric, said he should go and have fun with Uncle Jay. And he says, that, he says that's Christian Cage, everyone. Well, that turn of phrase, knowing what Christian's like now. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, oh, it, it, the bit where people are chatting at him and he's never had that before. That was so nice. Yeah. Like, I think he was setting them up for it, but he made it feel real. Yeah. Really, like, nobody thought about that, did they? Like, oh, yeah, you would have never have called him Adam, ever. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, he calls out Christian Cage, and uh, here he comes. And he says, look, 40 years we've been best friends. It's why we got into professional wrestling. And I know you're probably thinking, why did I do what I did at Wrestle Dream? It's because I saw you standing over Sting. Sting! Some of you bloody idolized as a kid. You were Sting. I was Lex Luger. And I just couldn't stand that. Victory and coming. Huh? Huh? Got another way around, actually. <laughs> don't, don't read the full tweet. Just look at the picture. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I didn't know that, by the way. I yeah. didn't know that was their thing. That's like That was just an added detail. Yeah. hilarious. Um... I couldn't stand there and watch you concerto uh, sting. <laughs> and, they, and they weren't. They were going to worry. They've told that story a hundred goddamn times. <laughs> Make your f***ing mind up, pal. Like, well, you're mid-south and you go to WrestleMania 6. At least I'm honest when I sail up the Fed. Come on, Edge. <laughs> Give a break. You're not putting them two over the warrior. Hmm? I'm putting a Hogan on warrior. <laughs> yeah, you were Hogan. I was warrior. We were neither of them. <laughs> we were Luger and Sting. Shut up. <laughs> we get these to be in most of Canada. Oh, they lived. He says... Trust me, I know from experience, these two young guys, Nick Wayne and Luchasaurus, are going to drop you like a bad habit once they've soaked up all your wrestling knowledge. Uh, he says, look, first time in 20-odd years, it's time for us to team together again. We could have amazing matches with the likes of FTR and the Young Bucks, showing people why we are one of the greatest tag teams of all time. We could end our careers as a tag team and show people what we're capable of. And Cage is clearly affected by this, and he pauses and he looks at Adam and he... Takes the microphone and he hugs Adam Copeland <laughs> close, leans into his ear and says, Go f yourself. <laughs> if you had told me 
in March 2020, when Edge was saying the word grit every other sentence, cutting these hysterically intense promos in a unspeakably bleak performance center. And he would have said to me back then, Sidge, in three years' time, you're going to want to go for a beer with that man. <laughs> I would have said, oh, he's gone to AEW then, where you're allowed to be real and cool <laughs> and funny because the Edge is my favorite wrestler. February 2020, Sidge, you're going to be sick of the Young Bucks, but you're going to love Edge. Yeah. <laughs> After Revolution 2020. Adam Copeland, I measured him. I used like a... Like an analysis, a method. He's eight foot tall now. He's grown at eight feet. What a superstar this man is. It's the... You love him now, don't you? You love the edger. Adam Copeland. Yeah. It's the perfect intersection. Right. Fedge. It's... (laughs) It's Fedge. He's bringing over the star stuff. It's... All Elite Federation. (laughs) Because... He has got, like, that, he looked like he's eight foot taller than Kenny Omega in that opening yeah. thing. Because he's he's got the posture, he's got the body language, he has got that inherent star power. He that, probably knows where to stand. That Omega has, he knows where to stand. He's got that, uh, that secret federation magic, right? He comes out, he's got the entrance, you know, he's got the look, he's got the height, he's got that TV know-how of how to be a star on television. And he's also, so that's the Hamflood part, He's also like a bit funny and real now and less yeah. completely intense. And he's got that, oh, I'm in a real place all of a sudden. I'm away from that weird WWE. I can be a bit more real and a bit more nice. He's got to this place instead of that place. Yes, he's got to this place <laughs> instead of that place. I thought he was phenomenal. I fell head over heels in love with Adam Copeland here. What was, I was just like basking in the glow of a superstar. Like an actual <laughs> yeah. superstar just bathing in that glow. And an thought, in-ring airport test. Yes. You're passing, pal. Yeah, you're passing, pal. I love you. Um, I thought he was great on the stick. Absolutely fantastic. The Adam stuff, the self-deprecation of... Uh, I don't think I'm actually going to refer to myself in the third person anymore. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> not doing that anymore. Yeah. That was great. The, and So you got like a bit of... I'm not quite, I'm passionate and intense, like the Sting stuff. There was a bit of that, but it wasn't that bad. And he undercut it with the, the self-deprecation. And, oh, my God, he's actually funny. <laughs> Fun Bobby is now fun all over again. This <laughs> man I've buried for the past three years. He's got me blocked on X. I'm sad now. <laughs> Copeland, will ne- Copeland, will ne- Copeland will never go for a beer with me. I think I want to make a blocker list. I think if you met us in real life, we'd really get on. Um, but the bit when Christian comes out and he goes, you know, you got your face all pursed up, looking even more of a dick than usual. Like, what a line that was. Mm-hmm. Just great. It's the how friends talk. It's how a real person talks. And now Adam Copeland's a real person and a real promotion run by real people and a billionaire. <laughs> and they've been friends for 40 years and they labored on that point so exquisitely well to set up the good punch of that and the bathos of that last line. 40 years. We got our haircuts together. We were friends before we got into wrestling. 40 years. I'm only 50. For like what? I don't know. What's the maths? For if Christian has been Edge's friend for 40 years of his life and he's 50, what percentage of the time is that? 80. Thanks. Pretty easy, actually. <laughs> You've <laughs> been in my life and either the or one of the biggest parts of it for 80% of my life, Christian. Mm. I'm trying to appeal to your better nature. Go f*** yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The deadpan. 
this program has already got all the potential in the world to be some of the best stuff AEW's done because if night two, three, whatever, are 60% as good as this, strap in. The Edge yeah. is here. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Completely agree. Bang up for Edge and Luchasaurus now because he's what Christian's one friend. He said this much. Yeah. Like, Luchasaurus is my own friend, actually. <laughs> like, so I love that. Like, he's friends with a dinosaur. <laughs> he won't talk to his mate in four years, but I got a dinosaur here. And this guy, his dad died. Yeah, who I've he never like, seen wrestle. He likes me, so I don't need you. It's great stuff, man. <laughs> like, and, like, to Cedric's point about, like, what a goddamn professional, goddamn wrestler Edge is, right? So, Adam Copeland, I need to get used to that. So, like, he's lining up all the singles matches, which, like, Kenny Omega. <laughs> how many times on this podcast have we bemoaned, ah, you missed the fucking Cody Punk match, you missed this match, you missed that match. Edge, like, Adam Copeland is saying, don't miss these matches, Tony. Like, I'm here for yeah. two years. You're going to pay me. We're going to do this, right? Da, 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 da. And then he's saying, and don't worry, fans, because you know we have to do this now. We're also going to get your Edge and Christian matches. So there's FTR, there's this, is that. What a pro. Like, this was a professional wrestler's professional wrestling promo. Sold you a billion goddamn superstar Out the ass. And, like, I, I couldn't be happier that he's here. Home run. Like, what a start. It's perfect. There we have it. Let's jumps. Let us know your thoughts on AW Dynamite on Egg uh, at What Culture WWE. Watch there. You can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. On Michael Sidgwick at uh, Adam. Just to, it's at M Sidgwick. <laughs> Unblock me at. <laughs> you can follow me at Adam. I'll tweet. I'll ask him. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. <laughs> Uh, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Me and Sid will be back tomorrow to preview oh, AW wow. Collision. <laughs> um, and make sure you subscribe to the What Culture Wrestling Podcast YouTube channel. We're going to be going live there, kicking off our daily kicking ass. video podcast. <laughs> Audio podcast will remain the same, don't worry. Kicking off our daily video kicking podcast off, on Tuesday of next week where we review Monday Night Raw. But for now, this has been the AW Dynamite Review, my thanks to the other two Dadly Boys, because I'm one of the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining <laughs> us, and we will see you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.